More than a million people around the world have tested positive for the virus. It is a new reality, and I think it's important that everyone realizes this. Life is never going to be the same again. And the World Health Organization have a stark warning for all of us. So my message is to every country, double, triple the effort. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the European head of the WHO on how to beat the virus. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dr. Hans Kluger is an optimist. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Having said that, it's a test. But since he started his job in February, he's had a baptism of fire. And, he says, there's no sign of when we'll be able to return to normality. That's a question that no one is able to answer honestly as of today. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. We're going to go through a very tough two weeks. And then hopefully, as the experts are predicting, as I think a lot of us... In some countries, we are still in the acute phase, which means there is a combination of trying to prevent new cases together with saving Lives. On today's show, an interview with a man tasked with charting Europe's course through the crisis and how everything from protective equipment to mental health and even fake news will play a role. We know we have to contain, to mitigate, to mobilise a society. So it's your telling that we have the society with us. No, any pandemic has been pushed back without a whole of society approach and when those restrictive measures will be lifted it has to be done gradually and we may even expect a second or a third wave but by then the hospitals the health system should have bought time to be prepared for a increased influx from patients particularly the intensive care units what happens until then are we sort of in continual periods of of isolation and I mean how, how does life carry on? It is a new reality and I think it's important that everyone realizes this life is never going to be the same again. It's really startling to hear you in in the, the position you have saying life will never be the same again 
I mean, how, how do you think this will change us and the way the way we function? I think first and foremost, people should not take health for granted. There's no any country which can say, I am going to tackle this pandemic alone and it's not going to come back. So that's why we're very careful not to give any restrictions on uh, trade and uh, and uh, and crossing the, the border. It's very important that there remains a humanitarian corridor for UN and WHO teams and supplies to come in. And health has to be at the top of the political agenda. In a number of countries, you see that the fact that health budgets were cut and that uh, nursing staff was much more less is now really biting us back. The government has had a colourful relationship with the WHO since the crisis began. And one issue that's come up repeatedly is that of personal protective equipment, PPE. COVID-19, formerly novel coronavirus 2019, personal protective equipment or PPE, a guide for hospital clinical staff. This video is for hospital healthcare workers involved in the assessment... I'm Kat Lay, I'm the health correspondent. Kat Lay has been investigating a rather specific area where the government's approach has been controversial. Well, I think one area where this is really interesting is uh, the issue of personal protective equipment for staff working in hospitals, also in social care. A lot of frontline doctors and nurses are concerned at what they say is key differences between the WHO advice on what they should be wearing, uh, particularly when meeting people who might have coronavirus but haven't yet been tested sort of as a confirmed case, and what Public Health England says they should be wearing. So the WHO guidelines suggest they should have eye protection, they should be wearing gowns. Public Health England says that the gowns aren't necessary um, and in most cases eye protection also isn't necessary. The Public Health England are quite sensitive, I think, to the concerns come from nurses and doctors. We've seen one hospital actually write to their management to say we might have to scale back on services unless we can get more of this protective equipment because they are that concerned. So there's, there's a lot of fear, understandably, among staff. What Public Health England says that this difference actually comes down to the way we do infection control in this country in that we've had this long-standing rule of bare below the elbows. So doctors and nurses, other staff in hospitals shouldn't be wearing long sleeves. In a lot of other countries in the world, doctors still wear those traditional white coats that you might be used to seeing on um, like American TV programs and things like that. And in those cases, it makes sense to have a gown covering up those sleeves so that the sleeves don't pick up the germs and carry them between hospital beds. If you're bare below the elbows, the argument is you can wash the germs away in between patients with soap and water or the, you know, the hand gels at the end of beds. I mean, what are you hearing from the, the doctors you're speaking to? How worried are they and how is how are the, the hospitals reacting when they go to them with their concerns? We've heard of cases where doctors say they have been threatened uh, that they should not speak out about issues with their protective equipment. They've been told you know, social media is being monitored. And this isn't happening as a blanket rule, but there are cases where it has happened. You know, doctors I speak to, they, they are worried, uh, some of them. But that's a really startling example. I mean, Dr. Google was absolutely adamant. Well, you know, one of their biggest concerns is that healthcare workers should be protected. Um, but people who are raising concerns are, are, are actually being silenced here. That seems really alarming. Yes, um, it is worrying. At the same time, uh, 
they are speaking up, people are speaking up, we are hearing about these concerns, which I think has to be a positive thing. Uh, but it is concerning if they're feeling that going through the internal route, raising concerns that way, isn't having an impact. Um, one of the things we saw in Italy, which I think surprised a lot of us, was there are an, an awful lot of young people on ventilators in intensive care and they were having to make very difficult decisions about who to save. So far, a lot of the public messaging around coronavirus is that it affects the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions. And yet we seem to be seeing a lot of younger people, even children, dying. Do you know what's causing that? Should we be changing our view of, of who's most likely to suffer? It's still exceptional. So we cannot say that this is happening a lot, particularly in children. It's very tragic that a girl passed away in Belgium at 12 years, 16 years teenager in France. This is still more the exception than the rule. But we are following this obviously very, very closely because you're right, it happens in all age groups. We know that we cannot tell that the COVID-19 is just like a flu. We know that the way in which it attacks the lungs is much more aggressive. So it could hit anybody? It could, definitely. It could hit anybody, absolutely. And that's why I always tell everyone in society can do something to push back and to win the war. If I am infected, then the other people should not stigmatize this because... We know what works and we know what doesn't work. Social discrimination does not work. But then I have a duty to stay at home. This is a very important message. If you're coughing and you have fever and have symptoms, or even if you have muscle pain, you don't feel well, please stay at home. In terms of the different approaches adopted by different countries, I mean, Sweden has been a bit of an outrider. They're still allowing public gatherings of up to 50 people. The restaurants are still open. Life is carrying on. Are they right? There has been two conversations between our WHO Director General, Dr. Tedros, and I also indeed reached out to, uh, to Sweden. We, we should say Sweden has increased their measures in the last week, and that's what what's we see in many countries, that when the phase of the epidemic is advancing, that more and more measures are being synergized. One of the other trade-offs in some of these policies and some of these measures that we're having to take is, is I guess, mental health. Do, do you worry about the mental health impact of long, long periods of isolation? This has been the topic of our press conference last week, that you would like to avoid that in addition to a pandemic of COVID-19, we have a pandemic of mental disorders. And this goes to the individual level. I see this around me. I see this in my own uh, household. Message to younger viewers, if you cannot see your grandparents, call them every single day or two times a day. Help them to translate the infodemic. There is so much information everywhere. Help to translate it into understandable and relevant information. Have a daily routine. This is very important. A daily routine and stay healthy. Do some daily exercise adapted to your own condition. Danmark står i en alvorlig situation. Den skæbne deler vi med hele Europa, ja med resten af verden. I would like to give a wonderful example of 
the host country Denmark, which at the national television, nine o'clock in the morning, is singing the songs with the whole nation. So this is something we have to work on together. We have several guidances for this. We're going to have a booklet to explain to children between four and ten years, right, what it is about. It's very important that there is no more domestic violence uh, in these settings. How do you prevent that? How do you try to stop that from happening? This is a huge challenge and that comes back to reach out. We have to reach out to each other. Have to, you didn't hear something from the neighbor. Reach out. We saw this previously in heat weaves that elder people pass away in their homes and only were then found uh, days later. So there has to be a, a network. And again, many good innovations, like in Ireland, be on call, or, or Spain with the Red Cross volunteers, where people, even calling back in Ireland, retired uh, healthcare workers and community workers to reach out to the people. There is no watertight solution over there. But on this mental health, one key message, act with kindness, act with care. Mental health services in the NHS are changing around how they do things. So in some places, they're setting up mental health A&Es to take the pressure off the acute hospitals that are dealing with the flood of coronavirus patients. And they're also making the mental health services as available 24-7 as possible for people who are really struggling, perhaps have pre-existing mental health conditions that might be exacerbated by what's going on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Das Coronavirus verändert zurzeit das Leben in unserem Land dramatisch. One of the other examples in Europe that we're all looking at and trying to work out if that we should be learning from is Germany. Um, it's received a lot of praise for having a really impressive testing regime. They're doing 500,000 a week. Has it actually made a difference? Yes. Germany is strictly following the WHO recommendations here. Test all the people who are suspected, isolate them, quarantine them, 
if need be, treat them. So they, they do have a strong hospital system, intensive care unit, but also go to the source, meaning test also the contacts of the confirmed or suspect cases, because that's the basics of public health measures to really cut the chain of transmission. I mean, you talked about protecting, you know, and mitigating, but protecting your, your healthcare workers. At the moment, we're still not able to test them all. Is, is, that, is that alarming? Number one, training, providing the adequate information to the healthcare workers is really essential. Then, of course, the tools need to be there. The testing and the personal protective equipment and then the encouragement because healthcare workers sometimes tell me, Hans, yes, now we are encouraged. Now we are appreciated because we are sent to the front line. But why not before? So we should change our view of healthcare workers forever, really. Absolutely. And with this, the other workforce, right? I mean, who is keeping the bakeries open? Who is keeping the shops open? Who is cleaning our floors, that are the heroes of society which WHO salutes. Do you think society will change after this? No doubt. This is a new world. This will be a, a new uh, society. But we have to ensure that we can kill all the fake news because that is also a threat. We had the pandemic of the COVID-19 and then a pandemic of fake news. So that is something that we thoroughly have to rethink. One of the opportunities is the digital society, digital economy. Just on the fake news, how much is the fake news affecting your ability to fight the pandemic? How much is it getting in the way? It's definitely getting in the way, but WHO has been very proactive to partner with Facebook, with WhatsApp, with Google to counteract this in China, even with locally social medias. And that is something that we also learn a lot of lessons from. I mean, getting that's a message to all the people, your information from reliable sources, from your government, from WHO. I, I, I'm shaking hands. Continuously. I was at a I was at a hospital the other night where I think there were a few, there were actually a few coronavirus uh, patients, and I shook hands with everybody. Uh, you'll be pleased to know, and, and I continue to shake hands. And uh, uh, I think it's very important that we. You know. I think the government were slow on the public messaging to start with. I think they were slow to take up the offer of adverts on social media to to get their message across. They didn't start the daily press conferences for a couple of weeks when it was already quite obvious that we were getting into a fairly serious situation. And so I think that's why you've had things like messages on WhatsApp with uh, potential cures or treatments filling that gap, because people want to know what's going on. They want to know what they can do. I haven't heard of any particularly horrible cases in this country, but we have seen in other countries people who have tried cures, they've maybe read about online, and in, in some cases died. I think there was a, a case in Nigeria and I think there was another one in the United States where people had taken uh, chloroquine 
in the form that it is used for cleaning fish tanks rather than the, the medical form because they'd heard that this was a, a substance that could fight coronavirus. I think the messages coming out of government could have been clearer on a number of occasions. Things like uh, saying we'll expect thousands of ventilators when actually we're going to have fewer than 100 of the new models coming out over the next week. I think it's a case of being honest with people and managing their expectations and saying when we can really expect to see things coming online. You know, we probably will get thousands of new ventilators, but it's not going to be next week. It's going to take a, a couple of months. From what you know of, of the national health system in the UK, do you think we have invested enough? Do you think we will need to increase our capacity for the future? Absolutely. But not only the UK, every country. And I know this is happening because I was speaking also with the Chief Medical Officer, Professor Witte, and we were having a very, very productive discussion where we were learning from each other. It's a matter in all countries to double and triple the effort. So my message is to every country, double, triple the effort. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the Director of the World Health Organization's Regional Office for Europe, Dr Hans Kluger, and the Times health correspondent, Kat Lay. You can read more of Kat's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Ben Mitchell, the executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella, music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please do leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. And in these uncertain times, if you want more information about coronavirus, you can always access expert analysis and the latest developments with The Times' dedicated daily newsletter. Please do sign up. It's free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.